Hello listeners, it's me, Sachin Akrani, co-host of your favourite podcast, Is This Thing On? Hope you're well. So, I don't normally speak before an episode, but I felt compelled to do so before this one because of a really annoying technical issue Lindsay and I suffered while we recorded in the Duke. A cracking, popping noise that, despite my best attempts during the editing process, I was simply unable to get rid of. Not 100% sure why it's there, to be honest. A friend of mine who knows about these things. Hi, Nina. Believes it's down to the mic cables not being properly connected to the mics. Could well be that, although I'm pretty sure I did connect them properly. What's really annoying is that I didn't hear any of the cracking and popping in my headphones while we recorded. Had I done so, I'd have stopped immediately and aimed to fix the problem. One small but notable mercy is that the cracking and popping isn't too bad and certainly doesn't overshadow the chat Lindsay and I had with our special guest, stand-up comedian Bella Hull. She's ludicrously talented, ludicrously smart, and, as Lindsay and I discovered in the Duke, ludicrously good company. So please do check out the upcoming episode and try your best not to let the cracking and popping put you off what was a really good chat between Lindsay, Bella and I over a few glasses of wine and a few bottles of beer. And ahead of the next episode, I'll do my very best to ensure the cracking and popping never reappears. I'll even buy a new mic cables if I have to. So do listen and enjoy the podcast. to Is This Thing On, the podcast hosted by me, Sachin Akrani, and the woman who got totally shit-faced on Saturday, it's Lindsay Bowers. Lindsay, how are you? Um, okay, considering. And, wow, are you a psychic or something? Uh, well, I know it was your birthday. How, did you, how do you know? Well, first of all, that you made a big fuss of it the day before your birthday on social media, uh, which you know, alerted me that it was your birthday, and then I sort of just remembered it was your birthday on Saturday morning. Um, so I'm not psychic, I just follow you on Twitter, that's how I knew it was your birthday. So how did it go? Um, it went really well actually, thank you. Um, you saw on Twitter what I got for you my did, birthday, yeah, didn't you? did, yeah, that's incredible. So yeah. who got that for you? Uh, my fiancé. Wow. I got a Super Nintendo. Brilliant, our guests won't know what that is, we'll come on to her shortly. Um, yeah. <laughs> so is it what, fully loaded with games? Yeah, it's, so, it's not um, kind of a traditional one where you put the... Uh, cartridges in oh, it's right. sort of like a mini one that comes preloaded with about 20 games oh, it's okay. got Mario Kart that's the main one Super Mario World Donkey Kong uh, yeah I, I had didn't know you were a gamer I, I, w- I wouldn't call myself a gamer but when I was a kid I loved a bit of SNES and um, even using the terminology yeah that's exciting and I'm really bloody good at it still as well oh, my right. fiance was watching me play with a hangover yesterday and um he was like, wow, like, you, you actually know how to play this thing. Yeah. So, well, um, Ma- Mario Kart is in my top three games of all time. I'm not a massive gamer, but I, did, I had a Mega Drive when I was a kid, so I was Sega. But it's up there with uh, Sonic and Street Fighter, maybe? The top three games of Yeah, that, Street Fighter's on there as well. Yeah. Oh, you got that as well? Yeah, but I'm not quite so good at that, because instead of learning how to do the moves, I just mash the controller right. um, really like, manically, like hoping that it will just kill my opponent. Yeah. So. Yeah, like a toddler, exactly. Different ways to skin a cat, isn't there? Yeah. Excellent. Well, we're going to talk about your birthday a bit, talking about, because you turned 35. Yep. Small milestone, I guess, but a big one for you, I guess. But in the, in the grand scheme of milestones, it's not one of it. It's not your 40s. It's not your... It does feel like a milestone, okay, yeah. Okay, well, fair enough. We will discuss that. But before we do, as, I, as I've just hinted, we have a guest, Bella Hull. Bella, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Let me explain. Um... <laughs> Last, it was Tuesday, wasn't it? Yeah, last Tuesday. So we're recording this uh, on Monday, 14th of October. Last Tuesday, I went to a open mic comedy night. Is it, is, was that an open mic? That's yeah, an open yeah, mic, yeah. yeah. So it was an open mic comedy night at the Royal George Pub near Tottenham Court Road, organised by, it's GMB Comedy, mm-hmm. they're called. Um, so it's a load of stand-ups at sort of early, varying but early stages of their careers, um, sort of testing out this stuff, uh, gaining experience, etc., etc., gaining exposure as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was there to support my friend John Harrington, who's got into stand-up comedy. There were 16 acts, if I'm not mistaken, and for me... 16? 16, yeah, we'll come on to that, by the way. a lot of acts. I've got a bit of a rant about that, which we'll which we'll get on to. But for me, the best performer on the night, um, and I'm, and I'm going to put loads of pressure on you, Bella, was you. Oh, thank um, you. I think you're 
basically what I think is you're going to be like a star of the future you're going to be the next Sarah oh. Silverman and me and Lindsay can completely piggyback on the back of your career and say we're the first people ever to interview what oh, do you well, make of all of that? That is unbelievably overwhelming <laughs> and very kind of you um, yeah those open mics are absolutely nuts I've just started doing them uh, just moved to London two weeks ago and it's very rare to meet like women on those nights. Very rare to meet like people that are not. It's very rare to meet at least one person who isn't sort of slightly unhinged. I think like a lot of people that put themselves out there on those kind of open mic nights where you're just doing jokes to a room full of strangers is quite. It's quite bizarre. But well, the acts mostly men. Yeah, I, I mean, the, I did a gig the day before that one. It was all men. Um, and it was almost just comical, but it was like I was the only person like internally like this is ridiculous. <laughs> but everyone else was like this is totally fine and very normal. It's a mi- microcosm of society. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like you're more under the microscope because you're a woman when you? Yeah, definitely. Things? And it's that feeling of like if you're the only woman performing, you're the person speaking for all women in those five minutes or eight minutes or whatever that you have. So it does feel a little bit like. Uh, you're under pressure, definitely, and you're kind of more, both more noticed and less noticed, because a lot of the time, a woman will come on stage and then a lot of people will say, oh, it's a woman now, let's go get a drink, kind of thing. Really? Rather than, yeah. So, I don't know, but it's also kind of a mixture, because then a lot of the women in the audience might think, oh, well, it's a woman now, so let's their ears prick up kind of thing so I don't know it's a mixture of things but there was one other woman on the bill wasn't it yeah Sarah Sean yeah it was Sean sorry Sean if you Sean Thirstwater actually I think her name was Thirstwater Mm. oh wow it's like a Lord of the Rings she worked for the the NHS that's all I remember she brought two friends didn't she and they they were giggles she has a son she has a son lots of fodder for material then NHS she did actually do a lot of NHS related jokes. Mm. She, did, she, did, uh, she did a joke about Sun, which was quite amusing. Because that guy who wrote um, This Is Going To Her, yeah. he's made a whole kind of comedy career out yeah. of being an NHS doctor, hasn't he? Mm. I've forgotten his name. He's a comedian as well, isn't he? Yeah, he does stand up yeah, now. Yeah. He kind of does live shows, which I think Adam, is what Adam Kay? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah? What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, have you read the book, though? No, I haven't. It's absolutely hilarious. It, really? It's quite sad as well. Mm. Excellent. Well, should try and get Adam on at some point. Well, he was supposed to come on the TV show I work on at some point and then cancelled last minute, so... Am I going to have to cut that bit out of the podcast? Later? No, no, it it is, it's the truth. <laughs> Not better about and it. And you know what? I mean, I know this is a really popular podcast, but obviously he won't be listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty certain he won't. It'd be great if he is, and come on, Adam. Show that you're not a man who regularly cancels on people. Prove yourself. Prove that you can be reliable, Adam. Excellent, we're going to have a proper chat then with Bella later on. Uh, We'll also have a quiz, as ever, the pub quiz. Um, Should say back at the Duke. Um, Bella's very kindly come to the Duke from Soho, where you work, so thank you very much for making the trek over. No Um, problem. She set the scene a bit very, very laid back. Uh, Very, very few guests. Well, it is Uh, Monday. It is Monday, yeah, we're recording on Monday. Guests. Not guests. (laughs) This whole pub is my podcast. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) A few customers, a few drinkers, I should say. And it's horrible outside, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's pissing it down. Yeah, yeah. it's summer's. I quite like gone. the rain, actually, though. I'm a winter person. If I had to uh, rank <laughs> my uh, my seasons, I said that. Yeah, I'm contradicting myself completely. It's my second favourite season, better behind After, autumn. After yeah, autumn, autumn is great. I mean, we're technically in autumn, aren't we? But mm. it feels wintry, so that's mm. a bit odd. I only like winter in terms of snow because I'm a skier. All right. But humble uh, brag. <laughs> Honestly, no, I actually get that um, seasonal, what's it? Yeah, I get that. Sounds yeah, like yeah. I do mm. feel myself getting really... Uh, well, I get ill. I get ill on the day the weather turns. <laughs> yeah. Like, like clockwork. Do you have one of those sad lamps? No, but maybe I should get one. I've maybe. What's a yeah. sad lamp? It's like seasonal affective disorder. It's like a sort of special lamp that glows... The shade, the colour of the sun or something and yeah. shines on you and makes you less sad. Yeah. yeah. Um, fantastic. Okay, we're going to have a proper chat with Bella. Before we do that, go on then, Lindsay, let's talk about your birthday. Turn 35 on Saturday. Uh, you got rat assed. Yeah. And before you did that, as I, as I um, not hinted, I just said it, you uh, you made a fuss of it the day before. You were, you were trying to get a few sympathy tweets, can I say that? Shut up. Come no, on. I like to engage with uh, my Twitter followers. <laughs> so, what did you say? Also, I was 
did a little bit of the first post, yeah, kind of hinting it was my birthday. Yeah. Well, so to anyone, it was my birthday. For anyone who may have forgotten, um, and oh, those of me like who didn't actually know in the first place. So yeah, you got a few messages in the asking. What, what was the question you asked? Um, I'm just trying to find tweet. Oh yeah, so I put out the day before my birthday a tweet saying, today is my last day of being an under 35 eek. Any advice as I embark into what now feels like official proper grown-up territory? What do people say? I've got quite a mixed response. Um, so half of them are like really positive and you know it's a great age, age is but a number. And there are a few who are just like, it's all downhill from here, love. Um, I was one of them, wasn't I? Have a look. So, um, you know, our friend Malcolm was the first one to reply. <laughs> and he was one of the positive Hello, ones. Malcolm, by the way. Cheers for that tweet that you sent after. I was really nice about you on the last episode of the podcast. <laughs> and he said, don't drink too much. Come on, Malcolm, you know me, my love. Um, this really miserable bastard who follows me called Sachin Akrani said, strap yourself in. It gets proper shit now. So, um, you know, yeah. it's one of the negative ones. Don't know, don't know what's wrong with that guy. Um, David Felton said to me, just don't think about it. Age is a number. What's in your brain is what matters. And I replied to him saying, that's exactly what I'm worried about. Because honestly, <laughs> I feel like my brain is declining mm. every day. Um, let's have a look. Let's, let's see, I'm just, oh, someone just simply said, Godspeed. Thanks, Jacob Freeman. Um, Good Jacob. John Simpson, I used to work with him at ITV, he's, he's lovely. He said, don't sweat it, I turned 45 last week and still feel and act like a big kid. Um, quite a few people talked about moving up an age bracket on application forms. I think oh, yeah. I'm still... I think 35 I'm still is the end of an age bracket, isn't it? So when yeah. I turn 36, that's going to be moving on to a new, new age bracket, application yeah. form. Um, what kind of age brackets for what? You know when you're filling out forms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like on like censuses and stuff, isn't it? It's like oh, are you more to da 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 da? And I'm sure yeah, one yeah, is yeah. like twenty to thirty-five. Oh, I, I think. see. Or I think thirty-five feels like in my head I can visualise thirty-five being the end of an mm. age bracket on, on a so form. You're diving out of that boundary. Yeah. Well, can I just say you look very good for thirty-five? Thank you. Well, I you would, say that. I'd say it's quite dark in here, but I will take that. You say that better, but her hair's got a mad colour. What, what what is that? Yeah, I dyed my hair. Well, just at the from weekend. turning thirty-five. Well, yeah, I'm going through a midlife crisis. Is yeah, it could be. No, um, I just I like to play about. I mean, I don't know if everyone who listens to this know what I look like. Probably because I post those pictures myself on um, social media. But I'm usually blonde, and on um, on Saturday, actually day off my birthday, I decided to put a temporary kind of, well, the colour's called Burnt Peach, mm. but it's come out quite pink, hasn't it? The bottle says it will last three to 30 washes. Wow. That's quite wow. a big ballpark. Yeah, it is, so, yeah. Um, yeah. And how often and how vigorously you wash your hair. Yeah. Are you a vigorous washer? Mm, every other day. So every other day, wow. Yeah. Okay. Can't overwash it, otherwise mm. it goes dry. How often do you wash your hair, Bella? I wash my hair, mm, it really does depend. If I've had a really sweaty day and I've been on both rush hour tubes and I just feel like sticky and gross, I will wash my hair even if I washed my, my hair the day before. Women make a big deal of this, mm. um, washing hair. Uh, it seems to be the most stressful I think we just don't have enough to talk about. We just, it's just yeah. back to the basics, really. It's like the most stressful thing my wife does. Oh, oh really? wash my hair. What's, what's the big deal Has with she washing got long hair? hair? No, it's not shoulder length. What's the big deal with washing hair? I don't know. I really abuse dry shampoo. Me too. Um, I've got loads of it in I have a, a mini one in my bag at all times. I have an extra large one at home. Yeah, love a bit of Batiste. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is Batiste? Batiste is probably the most popular. <laughs> this is not an ad, by the way. But honestly, God, we wish. It is sort of the <laughs> go-to right. brand of dryer shampoo. Any girl who uses dryer shampoo, mm. that I know, just uses mm. Batiste. What's like, dry shampoo? Sorry, I should go right back to the it's basics of this conversation. Powder, like you're spraying it's an your aerosol. Hair to soak up the it's like a deodorant for your hair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good way of describing it. And you, it. like, sort of rub it into your hair and it disappears. You can also get tinted dry shampoo. Do you use a brunette one? Because you've got very dark hair. Oh, thank you. I don't know if that's a compliment. I mean, uh, well, saying it I was have no hair. But. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually, I do use, I have both the brown one and the clear one so that I just have options, you know, because feminism is all about choice, famously. Um, and, yeah, I think the brown one I've heard makes your hair look thicker. Which is always a plus. I'm kind of very, very scared about thinning hair. I think my my genes are quite hair thinning positive. Oh, and on 
to a tangent I didn't expect. Yeah, there. fantastic. Can we talk about again? Your me, birthday, me, was it? Yeah. So is it good? It was really good actually. Did you come here? No. Uh, no. Well, I say that like no. Although I do come here a lot of my friends, but um, no. Uh, I had a few people over for a few pre-drinks, and then we went out, out in a, in Leytonstone, which is quite kind of a town next to Wanstead and uh, the night ended with me literally having to tell two of my friends to piss off out my house about half five in the morning because mm. my fiance had pissed off to bed yeah I was sitting there being like does anyone have any paracetamol please leave just they could have just carried on mm. until the sun came up yeah and I was like guys I need mm. to go to bed uh, but it was an absolutely brilliant night um, but you've got to end on a high as well. You can't end when you're half falling asleep yeah. and everyone... Well, I was but falling asleep by that point. But um, mm. I wasn't too hungover yesterday. I was just very, very tired because I didn't get enough sleep. Mm. But yesterday was a splendid day of playing Super Nintendo and eating lots of junk food. Yeah. Mm. So how old are you, Bella? You're very young, aren't you? I'm 21. Oh, I'm not a very decade older than you. <laughs> so you were born in 1998. Yeah, that's Am I biologically old enough to be your mother? Well, <laughs> depends um, when you got going with it all. You could. Depends I mean, how abused you are as a teenager. Yeah, exactly, yeah. If I had you at 14, that's possible, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, totally. It just really depresses me. See, I, I work with mm. quite a lot of young colleagues, and mm. sometimes I think, I try and calculate in my head, am I old enough to be your mother? Mm. And it's like, Bizarre world you're living in. Or mm. You just look at young people, and the first thing you think is, am I old you enough? You're definitely old enough to be like yeah. an auntie, to have babysat me. Yeah. Um, you know, would you speaking of which, would you like to give me your ba- your babysitting, you know, business card if you have one? Because would be interested yeah, in your services. Yeah, if you ever need looking after. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. That's okay. a sitcom in the making. Yeah, thank you so yeah. much. What would that sitcom be called? I'll write that down. Weird babysitter. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen the documentary on YouTube called Babysitter about a woman who sat on a baby? And it was like a massive thing. And because she got arrested. You making this yeah, up? she got she got arrested and it was called like the Twenty Stone Babysitter. And you think it's about like a babysitter who's really overweight, but really it's about a twenty stone woman who sat on a baby. What accidentally? Oh well you have what? to watch a documentary to find out. What? Yeah. What? I'm really into watching documentaries about like weight loss and extreme makeovers and I just yeah. love it. While you were getting shit-faced on Saturday, I was in the cinema yes. watching Ooh. what we're now going to talk about, Joker. Joker. I thought it was worth discussing. Well, you you were, well, you were quite keen to discuss it. Um, yeah. Because it is got a lot week, of... Last weekend, about a week before you. Because yeah. it's been getting again, a lot of attention. Um, so go on then, what do you think of it? Um, I think it's quite overrated. You love it, don't you? I think it's brilliant. Do you know I what? Think it's fantastic. We did not yeah. discuss this before yeah. recording because I bloody knew that you would be jizzing all over it. I just knew it. I love it. Everyone else on Twitter, um, yeah, everyone loves it. And do you know, my esteemed colleague, Jeremy Vine, um, actually tweeted a poll yesterday saying, I haven't seen the joke yet. at a poll? I didn't know polls had Twitter accounts. Twitter accounts have polls, but <laughs> that was a joke that didn't go down. Oh, I got it. Don't worry, don't worry. I'm going to delete well, it and not say it. Well, not say it. Cut that out. Cut that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're editing it, cut I it out. I stalked you on Twitter. You do not tweet enough. You should. Oh, money. thanks. I think it's just the thing you tweet something. Will you stop hitting in. on her, ladies? <laughs> you're, you're engaged. You're married or something, aren't you? A woman that's allowed to be. I'm not engaged or married. Oh, see, now she's coming on to me. Oh, that's awkward. Give me a hint, Said it in a way like. I'm but I do it. have a boyfriend who I live with. Well, that's what it was, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. unavailable, unfortunately. Yeah. For now. I mean, I mean I'm holding <laughs> Sorry, up my Max. engagement <laughs> ring for everyone to see. So. No, I'm just mm. being complimentary. Uh, but what we're talking about, Joker. Yeah. <laughs> Could be an um, open engagement, who knows? <laughs> well, I'll It's 2019. Discuss with, uh, Stop being so bigoted, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Anyway, oh, I'm getting quite flustered now. Um, <laughs> this beautiful 21-year-old is... Anyway. Jeez. Um, wow. You're right, Satch. You've only had, like, half a glass of wine as well. <laughs> well Extraordinary yeah. stuff. Yeah. I was complaining it tastes like shit earlier, yeah. but it's gone down quite well. <laughs> really? Anyway. Joker. Jeremy Vine. Jeremy Vine. Oh, Jeremy Vine, sorry. Um, he tweeted a poll saying, I've seen loads of people talking about Joker mm. on Twitter. Is it 
Uh, I can't remember his exact wording, so forgive me, Jeremy. I'll say this as if he actually listens. He tweeted, um, is Joker um, a masterpiece or rubbish? Because I'm seeing both people either slamming it or saying it's yeah. the most incredible thing ever. Mm. And I just, I replied to him saying, neither. Um, it's a good film. It, it's, it's fine. Mm. Um, I think it's style over substance. I think... Um, Oh God! How do you say his, say his name? Hoquin? Hoquin? Joaquin. 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 Sorry. Okay. Joaquin Phoenix is absolutely incredible in it. If it wasn't, if there was a lesser actor playing that part, then it would be a flop, I think. Um, I I don't like the way it stigmatizes mental illness. I think it does. I think um, it kind of gives out the message that if bad things happen to a person they're more likely to become a bad person I mean, that's all fair enough that thing about the mental illness for me that's a valid argument but i i think people are intelligent enough to recognize this is just one mentally ill bloke who's mm. living one horrendous life mm. who then becomes one psychopathic killer i, yeah. I don't think people maybe would... it's not supposed to be symbolic exactly everybody's journey exactly it's just also, one also it's just the age old question of like is does the film symbolise life? Like with, with Tarantino films and stuff, people always have had arguments between whether it, the, the like surreal, over-stylized violence in his films causes people to be more violent in real life, or whether it's just kind of for the sake of watching an interesting film and then you it finishes and you live your own life again. So it's kind of, in, it's, it's, I don't know. Oh, with that argument continu- uh, consistently, I would say that if you watch a film and then mm. go out and kill somebody mm. because you've watched a violent film, you were, you're a violent person who's probably going to kill anyway. Yeah. I've never come out of Tarantino film or The Joker. And punch someone in the face. Punch someone in the face, I mean. Mm. Well, yet. Yet. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, yeah. there's still time, but I mean, I came out of Joker, <laughs> went to the toilet and then went home and yeah. discussed it with my wife who I'd seen it with. So I... I th- yeah, I, d- I don't get that link at all. Mm. I don't buy that. I, I, I absolutely valid point you're making about yeah. it's kind of going ABC through mental illness, through having a crap life to becoming a murderer. It but was as like I said, between I- the dots to a exactly. lunatic. Yeah. It was a bit formulaic. Mm. And it's funny you bring up Tarantino, actually, mm. because I remember when I was about your age at uni, um, that was around the time when Kill Bill came out. Yeah. And I remember going to the cinema to watch Kill Bill because it was such a violent film. I remember... Mm. Um, this doesn't make me sound like a fool, but I remember I felt it, so I can't, you know, I'm just mm. going to say how I felt. But I remember there was a lone guy in the cinema, mm. and he looked a bit odd, and I was like, I don't know if anything had been in the news, but I was just a little bit aware of him. And a bit, yeah. He was watching this really violent film on his own, looks a bit odd. Mm. Like... Yeah. And then many years later, when the last Joker film came out, or one of the Batman films came out, a guy did actually shoot up the cinema, didn't he? Yeah, he did. You say people are intelligent, but actually some people really, really... Especially with the Joker, which is kind of a cult in its, like, popularity. And I think because there was a shootout of the last Joker film... It's very. It's was kind it? of a, yeah. Yeah, no, that's kind of. Um, oh, I thought it was the Batman. One of the Batman. Oh, maybe it was. Well, yeah. The guy who did it was kind of painted himself like the Joker. Didn't yeah, he? yeah, yeah. He, he basically so, was influenced by the character. Mm, I think like incels love the Joker. Yeah. So uh, it's it's such yeah. a difficult oh, God, balance. Yeah, incel mm. But that argument about incels.com. Indeed. You know? But that argument about. Oh, he watched Batman, so he started shooting people up. Well, mm. then I could say, well, he, he's got a gun. He was so, going to do that anyway. Yeah, so he's got a gun. So why has he got a gun? Yeah. And then you could have arguments about gun control, because mm. that, I think happened in the States, didn't mm-hmm. it? I'm pretty sure. So there's always other factors to why yeah. people yeah. kill. And I don't think we should go... D- I, I think it's too easy to go down the censorship line and say, right, yeah. ban all violent films, ban, ban, yeah, 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 ban all violent commute games. And that's also what the NRA want as well. Mm. I think constant argument consistent argument whenever there's been like a, a school shooting in America it's, it's video games like, to blame yeah and it's Call parents. of Duty and, yeah. and it's yeah. like the fact that you can buy a gun at Walmart so um, but no I thought it was great I thought Joaquin Phoenix as you say was absolutely outstanding this great sort of mix of he's actually quite lovable as yeah. Arthur Peck is Arthur Peck I his name uh, Fleck. Yeah. Arthur Fleck yeah Arthur Fleck so that's his character's name that is the that's Arthur huge. Peck is what he wish he was oh god yeah <laughs> Not the only one. Oh, a snog. Can I just say something, actually? One thing, but the main thing I took away from the film was that I had a really weird, creepy crush on him. No, that's not. That's not unusual for me. Uh, but yeah, like, um, 
He lost an awful lot of weight yeah. in the film. He is like a little sparrow, and um, I was I kind of whenever I watch a film, I go straight on um, IMDb, internet mm. movie database, to kind of find out as much as I can about the cast mm. and whatever. So I'm a bit, a bit of a geek about stuff like that. I was really shocked to learn that he is 44 years old, only 10 years older than me. I thought he looked in his 50s in that film. Yeah. He he look he doesn't look great because he's so skinny and manic. Uh, but fancied. Him. But no, I was, I was going to say, I thought he's had this mix of being sort of lovable and then this descent into being a psychopath. I thought he, he combined those great, physically mm. phenomenal performances. They say lost a load of weight and also just he was in every scene and he was having to do this sort of contortions with his body constantly, which was yes. quite knackering. He has this cackle, which looks yes. quite draining in itself, which is obviously the Joker sort of trademark cackle, mm. which I think was based a lot on the 60s. Joker. I thought yeah. he looked. You, oh, we should say at this stage, but you haven't seen this, have you? I haven't seen the so film. So we're going to no, be very careful. I have with read spoilers. a lot of tweets about yeah. it. So I think he looks very much like the '60s mm. uh, TV show Joker. Uh, mm. Other people think he looks like the Jack Nicholson '89 Joker. I mean, they're similar, yeah. obviously, but I think he's got a very '60s mm. Joker vibe about him. I'd say he's not quite as good as a Heath Ledger Joker, but a million times better than the Jared Leto Joker oh. in Suicide Squad. Uh, but yeah, the cackle actually that you bring up, I was going to mention that because um, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say you find out in this particular film. I don't know if it's ever been brought up in any of the films before because I don't really keep on top of my Batman and Joker films. But he has a neurological condition which means when he's feeling any intense emotion, yeah. anger, sadness, mm-hmm. he starts laughing. It's almost like a type of Tourette's or something. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And the opening scene is him looking really sad mm. um, like his heart is breaking but mm. he's trying to keep the laughter from spewing out yeah, of his yeah, face yeah. and it's really really uncomfortable but really intriguing to mm-hmm. watch it's just like he's, gonna, yeah. he's absolutely going to be nominated for an Oscar um, the other thing I just think it's a great origin story as an origin story I think it's pretty much bulletproof to tell mm. the story of how the Joker came, agra- uh, came about I think it's sort of told fantastically well mm. I think the bit bit of, bit of a spoiler that coming up but the bit at the end where there's a riot and there's the scene with the Waynes which I won't give away too much more I think that was shoehorned in really? it I was like that was oh, I thought all the, any, all the connection to the Waynes was so shoehorned in I just oh, wow. you know I think it would be better as a standalone this is about the guy's descent into madness without any reference to Batman like because really that, like they did this thing where I, I don't want to do any spoilers but they kind of force in this kind of subplot where he has this kind of weird ambiguous connection to the Waynes yeah that was a bit uh, to give a kind of yeah. reason for him to yeah. not like them well, and it was just a bit forced just up. the bit about him and um, uh, Bruce Wayne's dad okay, yeah. I won't say it, but that thing I'm glad that wasn't true does that make sense do you know what I'm saying the yes. link he had. I'm glad that wasn't yes. true because that would have been a bit rubbish. I won't say anything more than that. But no, I thought it was a great origin story. Um, it's interesting. So I just, I just think it worked. It weaved in fantastically with um, the Batman story because we saw sort of two origin stories coming together. You yeah. think that worked? It was, it was a beautifully made film. I'll give it that. But from what I read, I thought it was going to be shocking. I thought it was going to stay with me afterwards. It didn't. It, I, I could see every kind of shocking thing that was going to happen I could see it coming yeah. there was a, an easter egg in there as well oh yeah that? I read about it on digi- digital spy so you know when he goes to Wayne Manor yeah and he sees little Bruce Wayne yeah. and Bruce uh, and he can't, he's in his um, tree house he's in a tree house uh, little Bruce Wayne yeah. when Arthur comes to the house yeah. he goes down a pole to come to the ground so he can see Arthur yeah and especially pa- the poll that Jeremy Vine then does on Twitter that's yeah that's the easter egg <laughs> no it's not the, the, easter, <laughs> the easter egg apparently the director put in how did Batman get to the Batcave in the 60s TV show oh. the Batpole so it was a reference to the Batpole so mildly interesting so you studied at Cambridge which yeah. intrigues me and you were in the Cambridge footlights yeah that's true yeah so you know <laughs> really famous people have been in that sure such as Hugh Laurie Stephen Fry mm-hmm. Emma Thompson mm-hmm. so like, what's it like being part of a kind of esteemed club like that oh it's so much 
less famous feeling than you think it will be. Like it's not Do you like have to go through vigorous kind of auditions to get in. Um, well, this is actually a very interesting uh, conversation topic because the answer is yes. For the first like two years, I was in Cambridge. So basically, the process when I arrived, there were hardly any um, women. How do I put this? Women. Mm-hmm. There were hardly any women in the footlights. Um, and like I think the year before I'd been at Cambridge, there were like no women at all, and it was very much kind of like the accepted thing. They're all white men, and they'd mostly all been to the same schools, and then all knew each other, and all went to Cambridge, and then all did comedy and stuff. And then it was it was sort of very exclusive, but not exclusive in the sort of meritocratic way, more exclusive in the like you have to know the right people way. And then it all kind of evolved when my like committee in quotes got in and we kind of just opened it all up and we were like you know what you don't have to have gone to x public school to be in it kind of thing um so yeah yes and no it was it was definitely an experience i'm grateful for but also did you, you have to compete feel... with a lot of brain men yes i did there are a lot of people at cambridge who think they are hilarious just because they're clever and they kind of have a lot of confidence that they don't really deserve to have. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Ooh. People like who go Juicy. to Cambridge talk about Cambridge a lot. I'm not saying yeah. you do, either, but that, no. mm-hmm. it is shoehorned into a lot of conversations, isn't it? Yeah. And you get that sense of it. And because arrogance it's the comes only from thing good that's ever in. happened. There's, the yeah. only thing that makes them like unique, and then they leave, and then they're like, oh, I just need to tell my hairdresser, yeah. and I need to tell like everyone that I work but with. But it's like you get that sort of injection of arrogance as soon as you come through the gates. Mm. So I can imagine that sort of mm, then seeping mm, into mm. everything they do. Mm. But, so it's Footlight's all drama? Mm. So basically... It ma- specifically it's like comedy? Com- yeah, it's just comedy, oh, basically. Right, okay. But it's a lot of crossover. So a lot of people that do... Footlight's also do drama and musical theatre and that kind of thing and writing and whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's like a comedy society. Traditionally, it's kind of if you get into Footlight's, then you are allowed to perform... Every smoker, or you're more likely to perform every smoker. And smoker is basically a show every fortnight that's like in Cambridge, and it gets quite a good crowd. And you can like do whatever material you want and get good at comedy, and like really learn and kind of hone your craft, sort of thing. Um, but then it's sort of difficult because the time you spend working to get into it, you then or in third year and you've got finals and then that's really stressful so you don't really have that much time. So I don't know. It was it was a good experience but I'm also quite grateful to live in London now and just be doing So you've London come to comedy. London and yeah. you're doing the comedy circuit and you yeah. told me before we started recording that you're doing about three live shows a week mm-hmm. which is great. Mm-hmm. Where, where do you see yourself going? Like, Do you want to do this for a living or would you want to go into um, you know television or stand-up? I don't really know. I mean, I think, like, I didn't really do that much stand-up at uni. I was mainly doing sketchy stuff because that was how you kind of got noticed at uni almost because yeah. it was very much the tradition to do sketch comedy. Um, I really like stand-up and I like doing it, but I don't see myself doing it forever. Yeah. And I kind of don't want to do it forever. I'm kind of obsessed with stand-up and I'm obsessed with, like, watching people do it and I love going to open mics and stuff, but I also totally hate it and wish I had never discovered it because it's so like it's such a craft that you have to do all the time to be good at it and you can't just not do a gig for six months and then do a gig because you'll be shitting yourself before yeah you have to like just totally get into the swing of it and do it all the time and that is exhausting and yeah I've done like five ish gigs in the last week and I am so tired and it's I don't know it's such a mixture of things I think I would like to do stuff that is not just stand-up in the future. But for now, stand-up does the trick. Well, hold that. We will talk to you properly mm. about all that. Before we do that, two <laughs> things. More wine. Quickly, out of ten, Joker. Eight. I thought you didn't like it. That's a quite high score. I was going to give it eight. Mm. And I love um, it. Okay, <laughs> I'll give it seven then. Seven. Yeah, actually, seven. Seven. I'll give it I'll give it eight and a half. It's good, but people are going on about it like it's a ten. It's not a ten. Okay. Mm. Bella, watch it. I think it's great. Okay. And yes, wine. Let's go to the bar and then let's talk to Bella properly about comedy. We Sounds shall. good? Great. I'm back from the bar. Uh, we haven't actually said what we're drinking, have we? I can't remember. We normally do. So you're on the wine. You're on the white wine, Lindsay. White wine. Bella, you're on the white I'm wine. I'm on the wine also. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on lager. Uh, is it lager? What is it? Hang on. It's Belgian white. Blue moon. Blue moon, yeah. Belgian white. 
ale. That's what it says. I really dislike all beers. Yeah. I just don't understand why people like them. They taste like bad breath. Yeah, I, I'm, Ooh, I'm trying to move away from it. As we've said on this podcast, I really, I really like red wine. I fucking love red wine. <laughs> so I'm trying to drink, because I drink, I have a glass with dinner every night at home. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, no, I love red wine. So we've been drinking red wine more during this podcast, but just like got back in large. We drank like, quite a bit last yeah. episode, didn't we, <laughs> I went blind. <laughs> <laughs> the next morning, you were like a little bit oh, of a God, I was in this whiny yeah. person we on had, WhatsApp. Yeah, well, we had essentially the bottle each, which is... Yeah. Which no, I, no, I sort of agree with you, like, mm. as I got older, I thought... I'm not actually sure I even like. I, I certainly don't like the taste of lager. I like the feel, if that makes sense. You know, when you, mm. when you just get that hit of yeah. cold alcohol down your throat. It's, of course, yeah. It's quite good. But the first mm-hmm. sip is always the best. I and mean, then after that, it's just whatever. From there. And then the last few sips is just warm yeah. bile. Lager is a metaphor for life. Yeah. The first hit is great, and then it's just downhill from there. Yeah. I Being think. born, fantastic. Yeah. Dying, it's just bad, actually. You heard it here first. Dying is bad. Yeah. Spoiler alert, Bella. Bloody hell. <laughs> Gone off a tangent here, haven't we? Right, let's talk to Bella about oh, comedy. Wow. So, going back to that night then. Uh-huh. Um, last Tuesday it was. GMB comedy. GMB comedy. Um, GMB, what does that mean? Actually, I don't know. Because when I think of GMB, I think of Good Morning Britain. Yeah. Good and big comedy G-A-B. no I don't know yeah. G and B G and B comedy oh G and B I thought you said G and B no G and B like Good Morning Britain so it was in the basement of the Royal George in Tottenham Court Road not the best location because that was the only place the toilets also were so every constant stream of people coming down to have a shit in a week yeah exactly so do you want to sort of just give us a context two things I think is How common is that as an open mic night? And you did touch on this before the break. Mm. How many of those type of things are you doing? So I'm doing my aim. So I moved to London two weeks ago. My aim was to do 30 open mics before Christmas. Wow. Um, And I've done five in two weeks. So I'm kind of, I need to... Kind of on track. I'm kind of on track, yeah. But also at the same time... Well, it's, I'm so torn because like open mics are great because they lead to opportunities and they lead to you meeting people afterwards and if there are other performers that you really gel with, they're great. But also at the same time, they're totally shit and there's nothing I want to do less after a day of working than wait an hour and then go to a grotty pub and be told like transphobic jokes and then do a five minute set that nobody laughs at and then go home. So it's kind of a mixed bag. It's go on. I was going to say, you said beforehand you don't want to be, uh, well, you don't see stand up comedy as your long term future. So, why are you putting, you through this, putting yourself through this treadmill? I don't know. <laughs> God, we just got right to it then, didn't I? I just don't know. No, I mean, I love stand up. I don't want to be still doing it when I'm. What I mean is that I wouldn't mind still doing it in my 30s, mm. but I don't want to be still doing it when I'm in my 50s, okay. if that makes sense. I want to be a kind of person that does stand up as a gateway drug to to other things like cocaine. Um, So, yeah, stand up is the the cannabis of entertainment. (laughs) That's what I think. If you become, if you're still doing it in your 30s, you're only Mm. 21 now. Mm. If you're still doing it in your 30s and it's obviously going very well for you, Mm. so why not just... Yeah, maybe. That's true. It's interesting you say it's the gateway drug. For me, it's it's the heroin of the entertainment industry. Yeah. I've been sort of fascinated by stand-up <laughs> comedy ever since I was a kid. Really? Uh, about, for about a week when I was like 14, I wanted to do it. Uh. Uh, and then I thought, no, because I, I can't imagine getting on stage and trying mm. to make people laugh. It just seems like the most terrifying thing in the world. But yeah. I, have so, I have huge admiration for people who do it, and I'm fascinated by the different styles people adopt, the... Mm. Um, just the power of being able to stand on stage, literally have nothing but a microphone yeah. and making people laugh. I think that power is almost more powerful than being an actor yeah. where you've got a script and people are at a cast or being a musician with a band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I personally think it's fascinating. And I think mm. on the night, and the reason we have found ourselves in the Duke here on a dreary mm. Monday evening in October mm. is, I think of the 16 acts, we will come on to the 16 because I've got a bit of a rant about that. Um, you, you showed a sort of poise in terms of your delivery, which I thought 
suggested that you, I mean, obviously you've done this before, but suggested mm. you felt very, very comfortable on that stage. I mean, when you told the, you can tell mm. it if you want the Portuguese mm. joke, the way mm. you set that up mm. was brilliant because I was listening to that thinking, you just made was me it? completely believe you're Portuguese. That wasn't, I mean, yeah, I mean yeah, you want yeah. to tell, explain the joke. I don't know if you'd like to explain jokes, but <laughs> it, was a, it was like a twist because yeah. that wasn't meant to be the punchline. And that yeah. sort of poise and skill, I just immediately went, I mean, I've, I've seen actual sta- I've seen stand-up comedians at the comedy store or yeah. junglers who haven't told a joke that skilled. Oh, that sort of, is so I genuinely mean kind. That. I genuinely mean that. And so, do you want to sort? Of, I mean, you'd have to tell the joke. Cause I'm yeah, sure that, yeah, that's yeah. a horrendous thing for you to do. But do you want to sort <laughs> of basically just outline what the joke was in sort of basic terms? Um, I might as well just tell the joke. I'll tell the joke. So, uh, I uh, I can't even remember what it is now. Um, so growing up, I, so I just moved to London and started doing comedy. It's not going that well. Um, I always grew up and thought to myself, you know, maybe one day I could be like the Portuguese Sarah Silverman or the Portuguese Ellen DeGeneres, or maybe I could even be a bit more hands-on and be like the Portuguese Bill Cosby. Um, but, you know, I think we all learn the truth eventually and grow up. And the truth for me was that I'm just not Portuguese. <laughs> That's look as someone who's watched a lot of stand up on TV and live. I'm telling you, that's a brilliant joke. That is just brilliant. The Bill Cosby bit made yeah. me giggle more than well, the punchline. I mean, <laughs> it had two whammies because you told the Bill Cosby bit and everyone's like, mm. "Fucking hell!" Yeah, uh, and that was brilliant. And then you delivered the Portuguese twist, mm. and mm. I mean, I was about I was about to wet myself. But I, I just couldn't take it at that stage. Oh, that's so kind. I mean, I think that one of the things that I can abuse as a comedian is that I'm racially ambiguous. Yeah. So I'm actually half Guyanese, which is a melting pot in itself. Guyana is like a country in South America, but it's Caribbean, and I'm half English, and I'm very pale. So uh, nobody ever knows like where I'm from, which means that I can pull off doing a joke like that. Because yeah. if you were just like a very English-looking person, you wouldn't be able to yeah, you do that joke, do really. Look like you could be Portuguese. Yeah. What a compliment. <laughs> what a ultimate. lovely compliment. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's going to be eating a lot of Nando's in my life. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. That's very kind that you enjoyed it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I have actually been doing that joke for about four years. Yeah. Um, and it just always remains like... For me, if I'm doing new material, I never do it as soon as I get on stage. I always get on stage and I do that joke, which I've done so many millions of times, and I then it kind of relaxes me because it's like I've gone into autopilot and then I've made people laugh because that's normally my, my most successful joke that I do in that set and then I can kind of experiment from that. Is that that's, uh, that's really interesting, I think, from a technical point of view. Is do, mm. do you know from talking to other people if that's similar to what they do? They, they get the joke that they, they know people will laugh. Yeah. Gives them confidence then to go on to the new experimental Yeah, stuff. totally. I mean, I think a lot of people start, a lot of like really experienced comedians that I very much admire, I've noticed like repeat jokes incessantly, um, but they often repeat like, if they're doing new material, they will leave it till a lot later in their set. And they will actually start the night with a couple of jokes that are very, very, they're very comfortable delivering and they're not, because the first time you deliver a joke, you're a bit sort of like, is this the right way I worded it when I was writing it? Um, so it always makes you a bit nervous. So I think if you can just say a joke that you've said a million times, then you are almost like you're acting. Um, and then you say it and you people laugh or people don't laugh. But e- even if people don't laugh at the Portuguese joke that I do, um, I then, I just kind of have put myself at ease because it's the first time you get on stage, you're like, ah, your heart's beating and you're a bit, you're sort of taking in the room. And often you get on stage and you can't see anyone because the light's really bright. Um, so yeah, I think for me, it just really helps me be like, okay, I'm here. I've done a sort of joke that I know is a safe joke in that it's sort of stupid and sets the tone kind of thing. What for you is a no-go area that people just can't joke about? I think, well, this is really interesting because you were there on the GMB comedy night and the opening, uh, the host was sort of doing stuff about they pronouns and I just didn't find it funny. I just thought this is not something to be taking the piss out of. I didn't find it um, very kind of... I didn't find it very intelligent. I didn't think it was 
funny. I just thought it was kind of offensive and narrow-minded. And I don't think that um, punching down is ever a good tactic in comedy. I don't think that you should sort of pick on a whole group of people um, and kind of like single them all out for doing one thing or using one word and sort of go from there. I think comedy is always most effective when you're self-depreciating or or kind of observing something that everybody does but you also do and therefore it's funny because you're being vulnerable um, but you're making other people feel vulnerable and therefore everybody is in the same mood as you kind yeah. of thing. In defence of the or comparer MC yeah. and, and I'm defending him before I slag him off because <laughs> um, he's gay he, mm. so I think he felt he maybe had that sort of level of immunity to make mm. that joke and I think mm. he was doing it in the context because it was was it a gay comedy night was the context of it I yeah think. yeah so that was he was like talking about an LGBT that's it LGBT um, night wasn't it comedy yeah. night that yeah. he'd done yeah. yeah, but now let me slag him off because mm. one of my big issues with <laughs> last Tuesday was the number of acts, um, and I'm mm. curious to get your take on this, someone who does open mic nights. So there was six, there were 16 acts. Too many, man. There were nine before what was like a 20 minute break. Mm. There was there was uh, seven afterwards. Uh, the compare stroke MC, whatever you want to call him, Kyle was his name, wasn't mm. it? He spoke a lot. He told a couple. He would tell one too many anecdotes. Mm. There was like a chugger anecdote and a mugging anecdote. It was just like pick one, mm. mate. Mm. Um, I think we were down there for almost three hours. I think we, I, me and my mate John yeah. went down about eight o'clock and we didn't come out until almost almost 11. Yeah. So two questions really was, mm. um, well, one question one question and observation. So my observation was the problem with it, well, it's too long for a start, yeah. but it actually is really detrimental to the comedians who come on last because I was mm. gone mentally. I was gone. By the time the headline came on. You just on, don't find it funny, do you, yeah. at the end? You just, what, you're thinking about how you're going to get home. Exactly. I mean, I live when in a... You I was on 6th and I actually, I kind of deliberately most of the time I book gigs asked to go on early, mainly just because if I'm sitting there thinking about jokes I'm going to tell, I feel like a bitch if I'm not laughing at every person that goes on, but I don't laugh if I'm trying to remember my own thing that I'm about to perform, so it's kind of, I always ask to go on early so that I can go on early, get it over and done with while everyone has energy in the audience and then I can come off and just relax, have a drink and yeah. listen to everyone else. Well, that's the thing. The last two or three, I mean, I did listen to them but I was kind of gone. The lot, when the yeah. headliner came on, I was looking, I was literally looking at my phone thinking, yeah. what train? I was thinking about my train home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so terrible. was I. And I was actually like, tr- I was kind of worried because I actually put, I opened my Google Maps and uh, clicked start and I was really worried that it was going to be like, go <laughs> northeast on the whatever yeah. line. Um, but well, that's what I wanted to ask you. So you do this. That yeah. was that freakishly long that that night. Well, the night I'd done before was also sixteen acts. Um, I would say both are very much too long. I did a gig uh, yesterday that was seven acts, which was a nice length. Mm. I mean, I think they all feel quite long because the kind of nature of doing open yeah. mics is that you'll say to a performer, "You have five minutes," and they'll always take seven or eight. Um, so it always, and then the compare is coming on, and if they love the sound of their own voice, which is fair enough, they will do like three or four minutes between each performance. Which so was the case on Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it sort of always adds up to quite a long, boozy evening, um, which is kind of fine if you're not doing it very often. But if you if you're like me and you're doing it three times a week, yeah. it's exhausting. And what did you make of the quality of the acts? Um, I thought. It was very mixed. It's normally very mixed. It's yeah. normally like there are a couple of people that are really great and are like, they have a couple of golden diamond lines in their set and they, I kind of think, okay, I need to like add that person on Facebook or I need to talk to them after the gig or like, um, I should find out a bit more about them kind of thing. You, there are always a couple of discoveries and there are always a couple of people that you can tell just want to be Greg Davies and they are I'm just like very specific I'm just like why are there so many people that used to be maths teachers there are just endless retired maths teachers can I just come in and say my mum still will not believe me when I tell her Greg Davies is not Rick Mayle (laughs) (laughs) it's Rick Mayle is it mum Rick Mayle is dead. Um, I thought it was one other act. Actually, he was straight on after you, so it was quite a nice 10, 12 minutes, whatever it was, who I thought was pretty good was 
Philip Green. Yeah, he's good. Um, I thought, again, he, he looked experienced. He had really good mm. kind of stage presence. He looked very confident on stage. He told that really, that really funny joke about uh, his mum and dad and the dead aunt, which I yeah. thought was really good. And obviously being called Philip Green, he, he, maxim, he took maximum use out of his name, but did it well, I thought. Yeah, the, definitely. The Philip Green-related jokes. Yeah, it wasn't. Good. It was subtle enough to be kind of clever, yeah. wasn't it? So mm. I thought it was good. The mm. rest were, yeah, they weren't great, but that's absolutely fine on open mic. Like, you're expecting that. These are obviously yeah. quite raw. And also, I think the audience was quite up for a night of shit comedy. Yeah. And a lot of the time, they almost laughed <laughs> at the... Uh, they laughed bit. at how unfunny some of the acts were. But what's next for you? As you say, these are just coming thick and fast for you, are they? Yeah, so I'm doing loads of open mics. Um, they kind of do... The more open mics you do that are shit lead to more opportunities that are not shit kind of thing so you kind of mm. have to do a lot of kind of non-exclusive open mics to get invited or to get to know people that do more exclusive gigs mm. um so it's kind it's just a sort of brutal ladder of comedy that i'm subjecting myself to but i don't really have any other plans right now so i'm kind of just feeling it out yeah. and uh, not to rub it in but i'm 21, so I've got time. Yeah. Everyone's rolling their eyes. Just I, I was 17 when you were born. Mm, mm. Um, I gave birth to you. How can you do this? <laughs> <laughs> um, are there any comedians, stand up specifically, that you kind of slightly obsessed yeah. about or watch, or watch from a technical point of view? Perhaps? Oh, for sure. I love Ali Wong. Yes, um, I love her. Baby Cobra and Hard Not Wife. They are both. Like, I basically know them off by heart. Well, before we move on to the quiz, mm-hmm. um, and in case I forget later, do you want to just tell people where they can find you social media-wise and what you're up to next? Of course. So I am at Bella Bella Hull on Instagram and Twitter. Um, if you would like to book me <laughs> or give me money, um, then you can do so, and you just have to find me on either of those handles. Um, I am gigging all around, so if you just Google me, I'm sure you'll find any of them. I mean, I'm doing too many gigs to... I'm not doing any special shows. I'm doing lots of open mic shit gigs at the moment, so just come to all of them, basically, and then you'll find me. Right. Pub quiz. End with a pub quiz. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be a 90s-related quiz to uh, (laughs) Mark Lindsay turning 35. So we're going to go a bit retro. The 90s, you were, what, a teenager? You must have been a teenager. I was a teenager in the 90s, so you must Um, have been a teenager in the 90s. Well, uh, yeah, I was 16 at at the turn of the millennium. So you were a a young teenager in the 90s. Yeah, so, okay, so, well... Tween. Some might say. Obviously, Bella was born in 1998, as we know. So the point of this quiz is you should win this um, because uh, at least no you were kind of around in the 90s, whereas Bella just about was born in the 90s. So yeah. there's no pressure on you, Bella. You shouldn't have to. Uh. So uh, we have three questions each. Okay. So I've, I just found this quiz. How does it work? Do you ask both of us at I'm going to go in alternative, alternatively. I'm going to ask Bella okay. a question and you a question. Okay. You've got three <laughs> 90s related questions. It's really quiet in here now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, I think we're the only people in here. Yeah. I think we've driven everyone away. <laughs> um, okay. So this is just a 90s quiz I found on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll ask Bella the first question, then you alternate. Uh-huh. So Bella, your first 90s related question. Yeah. What was the name of Pierce Brosnan's first James Bond film, uh, which came out in 1995? I'm just going to say the only Bond name I know, which is Quantum of Solace, but that's not right, is it? No, no. Okay. Do you know the well, answer? Well, I know it's definitely not that. I'm going to go for... <laughs> um... Can I give you a quick clue? Topical clue. It was a game on the Super Nintendo. Or it might have been Nintendo 64, but it was definitely a Nintendo game. Um... Oh, Piers Brosnan, James Bond. Uh, I'm gonna. My answer is die another day because I can't think of any other Bond names. That's not Daniel Craig. No, it's Goldeneye. Oh, I should have known that. Yeah. Okay. So your first question. Right. Who? Who had early nineties? Who had early nineteen nineties hit singles with "Vision of Love" and "Love Takes Time." Vision so, of Love and Power of Love. Vision no, of no, Love and Love Takes love Time. Takes time. Early 1990s hits. I think you chose crap questions. Okay, you're checking out. Do you want to have a guess? I will guess that it was... I mean, I absolutely have obviously no idea. I'll say, I'll give you a clue. Yeah, it was a a female singer. I'm going to take a guess after you. Mm, 
A black female singer? No. No. Uh, no, I don't think. No. <laughs> Unsure. Ambiguous. Oh, ambiguous. Yeah, like you. She. I think she might be mm, a mix. But maybe Portuguese. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe Portuguese. Maybe not. Um, maybe. <laughs> I have no idea. Guess? Well, do you know? I was going to say Cher, but then when you I was going to say your Cher. ambiguity about race, I'm going to say Mariah Carey. Yes, Mariah Carey. There you oh, go. Oh wow! I'll give you a point. Very there. interesting. Yeah. Right, uh, this is actually quite hard, but I'm going to ask you anyway. I, I think this is probably too hard for you, but I'll give you a go. Who was the president of Russia from 1991 to 1999? Are you having a draw? <laughs> Stalin. No. Boris Yeltsin. That was probably a bit hard. I've got some more actual yeah. fun 90s questions yeah, mm. that, that was fun, fun. 90s stuff. <laughs> no. uh, Stalin's the only Russian leader I know of. Yeah. Apart yeah, from too, Lenin and Putin. Obviously, no, know about them. Do you have more questions? I do, yeah. I'm just wondering if this is actually too hard as well, but I'm going to give it a go. <laughs> so this is for you now, isn't it, Lindsay? Oh, you yeah. just presume too just much intelligence on the group. See if five of us can answer them. Yeah, I'm slightly worried. Okay, I'll give it a go. In which British city was Dolly the sheep born? Oh. So do you know what he means by Dolly no. the sheep? Dolly the sheep was the first living being to be cloned, am I right there? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Oh. Um, Glasgow? Close. Edinburgh? Edinburgh, there you Edinburgh. go. See, I knew that. Right, this is an interesting one. See so mm-hmm. you get this one. I, mm-hmm. I didn't even realise this was a 90s thing. Okay, so this is your third question now, Bella. Yeah. What new word was coined in the 90s, meaning a very close but non-sexual bond between two men? Um... Bromance. Yes, bromance. Is that 90s? 90s? That's a 90s word. Oh, I thought that was more early noughties. I'm yeah. gifting you the love you sing and Isn't that a song called Seek Bromance? By who? I don't know. By who's that? But it sounded very pretty. Oh, <laughs> thanks. God, stop flirting oh, with say. me. Sorry, I just can't help it. Oh, Back on this again. Two glasses of wine Crazy. <laughs> right, final question. So what's the scores at the moment? So you're not for 2 aren't you, I think? Yeah. And you're... Sort of, you've got, got two, right yeah, carefully. and you sort of got Dolly the Sheep. So, so you're got, beating me, yeah, you've with won. Dolly essentially. The sheep. Yeah, you've, you've won. essentially won, but That's fine. let's see if you can bring this home, okay? Okay, so which supermodel first mm-hmm. coined the phrase we don't wake up for less than ten thousand dollars a day? Campbell. No, no you've gone in far too Cindy fast. Crawford, no, um, no, not Cindy Crawford, not Naomi Campbell. Um, she's got a not Kate Moss, not her no. surname's got quite a few syllables. Someone hurts a gover. No, it's <laughs> you know what I mean. Linda Evangelista. Oh, Linda Evangelista. Uh, there you go. Anyway, fantastic. That's Lindsay, I think you've me. won. Yeah, but well as done. I said, Bella, there was no pressure on you, so that's Thanks fine. Thanks so much, because I was two in my defence. Yeah, you won by just I taking part. I was two part. at most, if not one yeah. or zero. Yeah, you won just by taking part. Yeah, thank you so much. There you go. And as always, whenever we get to the end of one of these, I really need a wee. Okay, we're nearly finished. Just hold your blood a little bit longer. We're going <gasps> to finish now. As ever, with the music. Mm-hmm. So, yes. as people uh, as people are aware, we end with a, a bit of music which comes from us hitting shuffle on Bella's the phone. Bella's scrabbling for yeah, a phone. Bella's scrabbling for a phone because <laughs> Bella's kindly agreed to mm-hmm. let us use her phone. You've got Spotify, haven't you? Yeah, I've got Spotify, so I am going to... I've made a playlist that is like all of the depressing music that I love, but also that makes me depressed. No, that sounds um, good. So we're going out on a high. <laughs> going out on a high. After last episode, um, uh, yeah. take that upon. Okay, then, Bella, do you want to hit shuffle? Yep. Great, okay. I've I don't think I know that one. I don't know that song either. I love this song. Ah. This has helped me through a really bad breakup. Ooh. Um, and this is actually the only song that gave me the strength to go on. Wow. Yeah. Nice, you're putting a lot of emotional investment into that song. <laughs> so, um, excellent. Brilliant. Well, well, let's go with that. Great. It's an important song for you, Bella, so it is an important song for us. Oh, how kind. Bella Hull, thank you very much for being our guest oh, on this you edition. Thank you so, so much. much. Um, just remind us how we can find you on social media, how people can find um, you. At Bella Bella Hull on Instagram and Twitter. I'm reasonably active and interested in becoming famous. So follow me, please. You will be famous. And remember (laughs) where you heard her first, listeners. 
that's it so um, thanks for listening remember to rate and review uh, as well as getting in touch via our Twitter account ITTOpod at ITTOpod and also via a new email address we haven't had a single email yet which is a bit pathetic uh, I'll email you tell them that yeah do, do get in touch at uh, oh, sorry ITTOpod at gmail.com always keen to hear from you uh, including you Malcolm uh, so yeah do drop us a line <laughs> get in touch tell us what you think tell us topics you want us to discuss anything really and we'll, uh, we'll discuss it um, so that's it. We're done. Another episode we done. Are done. Say goodbye, Lindsay. Goodbye, Lindsay. Say goodbye, Bella. Goodbye, Bella. That's goodbye from me. Goodbye. She's done my joke. <laughs> <laughs>